Our preaching passage this morning is John 3.16, and I will read John 3.16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Please be seated. It's a pleasure now to introduce our festival speaker, Dr. Michael O. Dr. Michael O. has served as the global executive director of the Lausanne movement since 2013. And before taking on this leadership role, he served with his wife Pearl, along with their five children as missionaries in Japan. During this time, from 2004 until 2016, Michael founded the ministry of the Christ Bible Institute in Japan. Michael received his BA, MS, and PhD from the University of Pennsylvania. He also completed an MDiv up the road at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, as well as an MA in Regional Studies East Asia at Harvard University. Dr. O, we're so thankful to have you with us this morning. Please come share with us from God's Word. Good morning. Uh, The Lausanne Movement was founded in 1974 by Billy Graham. Uh, It was a great joy to spend uh, time with Billy soon after my installation as the new leader of Lausanne, and an unforgettable experience uh, attending Billy's funeral on March 2nd. And more than any other scripture, Billy preached on John 3.16, his favorite verse in the Bible. So join me as we uh, begin in prayer. Father, in your divine wisdom from eternity past, um, you knew that this verse, John 3.16, out of the 23,145 verses in the Bible would be the most known, most shared, most loved verse in the whole world. And you also knew that this most familiar verse would be for your people, perhaps uh, equally in danger of being the most taken for granted, the most presumed, the most neglected verse in the Bible. So Lord, open our eyes, open our hearts, help us to see afresh, clearly, deeply, the power of this familiar word. Help us to know deeply this familiar truth, both for ourselves and for others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a whole world out there suffering, lost, hurt, confused, dying. And there's nothing you can do about it. That's how so many of us feel as we watch the news some days in horror. And perhaps there's some truth to that feeling. 7.6 billion people populate this world. 1.3 billion live in extreme poverty. 1 billion are unable to read a book or sign their names. 2 billion have inadequate access to safe water. 4 billion lack basic sanitation. 
46 million people around the world are enslaved. 65 million are refugees, displaced because of war, poverty, persecution, famine. All of this is just the physical side of the challenges facing the world. How about spiritually? There are 1.75 billion Muslims in the world, 500 million Buddhists, 1.1 billion followers of Hinduism. 86% of those 3.1 billion Muslims, Buddhists, and Hindus do not personally know a Christian. According to the Joshua Project, nearly 7,000 distinct ethno-linguistic people groups, unreached people groups, have little to no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to do something. Uh, Right now, in your seats, uh, with your eyes closed, I want you to think about your life. In particular, your life before you came to know of the eternal life that John speaks about here in chapter 3. And one of the things that I love about John 3.16 is that moment when people hear that verse and realize that is speaking about me. God loves me? God gave his one and only son for me? God offers me eternal life? And I want you to think about your life before that moment, before Jesus came into your life. What was your life like before Jesus, without Jesus? So let me pause for just 20, 30 seconds to let you think about that with your eyes closed. So you can keep closing your eyes. Uh, Please don't sleep. Uh, But next, I want you to think about this. What would your life be like now if you had never heard or responded to the good news of Jesus? Who would you be? What would you be living for? What might your life look like? Work, family, leisure, sex, money, without Jesus. Let me give you another 20, 30 seconds to think about that. I don't know about you, but that's a really scary exercise for me. But I hope that it will not simply scare you, but that it will give you fresh and powerful conviction of the mercy that God has shown to you through Jesus Christ. So let me ask you to do, uh, think about one more thing. Um, you can close your eyes again, and I want you to picture a person. I want you to think about the person who helped you to see and understand and receive the good news of Jesus, the person who most helped you toward that, and how that person helped you. And I want you to thank God for that person. Let me give you another 20, 30 seconds for that.
Now this time you can keep your eyes open, but I want you to think about another person. I want you to think about the person who helped the person who helped you to see and understand the gospel, to see and understand the gospel. Now you may have no idea who that person is, but there was someone And someone helped that person even before. And someone helped that person who helped that person even before. God used a line of people throughout history that led to you seeing and hearing and receiving the good news of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? And it never would have reached you if just one of those people throughout history had said, No. I'm not going to share the gospel with others. And somewhere in that line of people that led to you, there was a missionary or multiple missionaries who crossed rivers and valleys and oceans, who crossed cultures, who crossed languages, in order to share that good news that eventually led to you. God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. God so loved you that he sent all those people to share the good news that led to you. Yours is a precious life because you are so loved by God. Now, I open by sharing about the billions who are suffering in so many ways among the 7.6 billion people in the world. Now, I'm not sure that humans can grasp the scale of billions. That's why we feel it's impossible to do anything about those massive challenges. There's nothing I can do about it. But even if we can't grasp the scale of billions who are lost without Christ, we can grasp the value of one life. And each of the three billion people who have little to no access to the gospel is a precious life a life as precious as yours and mine. And each of those precious lives are a part of the whole world and the whosoever. Like I said, it is wonderful that we hear John 3.16 and we realize it's for me. But it's tragic if when we hear John 3.16, we think it's only about me. We are not the whole world, and each of the 7.6 billion people in the world are so loved by God, and God can so love those 7.6 billion people through you. The Lausanne Movement talks about calling the whole church to bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Who is that whole church? First of all, it is the global church. It is followers of Christ across every single nation on earth. It is men and women and children. It is uh, young and old. It's uh, introverts and extroverts, those who are shy, those who are outgoing, those who are Chicago Bears fans, even those who are Green Bay Packers fans. And for us Philly guys, even those who are Dallas Cowboy fans, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Whatever the category, you are a part of the whole church. But that's not usually how we view our global gospel mission, is it? We don't really say it like this, but basically this is how we view gospel ministry. So locally speaking, I mean, we pay our pastors 
to preach the gospel and to explain the gospel to any non-Christians who happen to come into our church. Globally speaking, well, we support and we pray for our missionaries to share the gospel around the world. Those pastors, those missionaries, they're the professionals. But here's the problem. The 1%, the 1% of those who are in professional ministry will never reach the world with the gospel. Why? First of all, numerically, the 1% are not enough. There's just one missionary for every 500,000 Muslims. Do you know how long it takes to share the gospel with 500,000 people? And you wonder why missionaries always look so tired. So it's important that we understand it's an important part, an important part of how the gospel is going to go to the world is in the sending out of more missionaries. Now, if in the next 10 years we were able to triple the number of evangelical missionaries in the world, that would get the ratio down to about maybe one missionary for every 50,000 people among the unreached 3 billion. But even tripling the number of missionaries won't do it. That's because less than 5% of missionaries are working in places with sizable Christian populations and existing gospel opportunities. So we will either need to raise up about 95,000 new missionaries globally to be sent to the unreached, and or, as some suggest, maybe another strategy is to consider reassigning some missionaries already in the mission field to new fields among the unreached peoples. But I'm not really sure that's a practical solution, a very practical one, since those missionaries are doing critical work, especially those who are focused on discipleship of national leaders. That's a part of the Great Commission. And they are a part of the solution as those national churches are matured to become missionary-sending churches. That is the challenge globally. So a challenge in the spread of the gospel locally is this. So uh, if we rely on pastors and those who are in professional Christian ministry to share the gospel, it will never touch many people's lives and many spheres of society. The best chance, for example, that your pastors have of reaching football players might be for them to kind of win the equivalent of uh, the lottery and become the, uh, the chaplain of the Chicago Bears or my Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles, in case you're listening, I'm available. How about other spheres of society? I would bet that the company that you work for doesn't have a chaplain. I'm pretty sure that Google doesn't have a chaplain, or Boeing, or Allstate, or Walgreens. So the only way that people in your company, in your school, in your neighborhood, on your sports team, in your restaurant, in your theater troupe, are going to be touched by the gospel is through you. Every sphere of society. The Lausanne movement has a vision for kingdom impact in every sphere of society. Uh, That can only happen through those whom God has placed in those spheres of society, and that's not your pastor. Every Christian, including the 99% who are not in professional Christian ministry, is to be a professional Christian. In other words, those who have publicly declared, those who have professed 
to be followers of Jesus Christ. A longtime leader, Lausanne leader, Gideon Paramalam, uh, emailed me earlier this week and shared with me about Leah Sharibu, a 15-year-old Nigerian Christian girl. Leah was captured by Boko Haram, along with 104 other young Dapchi girls from the Yobe state of Nigeria. There was recently a negotiation that led to their release, all 105 of them, except Leah. The condition of their release was to renounce Jesus Christ. Leah refused to deny her Lord in exchange for her freedom. Uh, Here are some words from another dear African Lausanne friend. I am humbled by her faithfulness to Christ. She boldly preached the gospel to the abductors and to us. She did it with more integrity and conviction than many so-called men and women of God. Men and women of God. And that you are. I know that it is hard for you to share the gospel. You don't want to risk your jobs, your friendships, your neighbors, your family. That might be why some people would rather share the gospel with strangers than those they know and love. But what is at risk for them, both for strangers and those you know and love? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. Perishing means being under the wrath of God. John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Here in John 3.16, perishing is it's the opposite of eternal life. Revelation 14.10, John describes the one who is perishing like this. He says, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. These are the most sobering truths in all of Scripture. It's not easy to share the gospel. It can be embarrassing, awkward, even dangerous, as Leah Sharibu knows very well as she continues to be a captive of Boko Haram. I would ask that you would please pray for Leah, for her safety, her faithful witness and testimony, her release, and for God's glory through her. And I dare say, that if Leah were a young American girl rather than a young African girl, her dire situation would be on every single major news outlet and in the prayers of every single church. My heart breaks when I think about what she might be going through, even at this very 
moment. The gospel is good news, not bad news. It is good news. The good news that God loves sinners. That speaks into a very bad reality for those who remain apart from Christ. Now, a doctor who tells a patient that they have cancer is not causing that cancer. A doctor telling a patient that they have cancer is not in order to cause that patient cancer. And sharing the gospel is not giving someone spiritual cancer. John 3.17 says, For God did not send the Son, His Son, into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. The world is already condemned. It is dead without Jesus Christ. God sending His Son wasn't in order to condemn it. It was to save it. A doctor is not worthy to be a doctor if he or she just denies their patient's cancer, and certainly not a worthy doctor if they will not treat it. If there is a medicine or a treatment that will cure that cancer, they are going to use that medicine and provide that treatment and walk with that patient through that battle. And brothers and sisters, we are surrounded by people who are perishing without Christ, spiritual cancer patients, many of whom don't even know that they have it. Walk with them. Talk with them. Love them as God so loved you. Show them your scars from your own treatment. Talk with them clearly about truth, the bad news, and the very good news. As the saying goes, you are the only Jesus that some people will ever see. But some people will never see that Jesus through anyone. In the last 40 years, over 1 billion people have died who never heard of Jesus. This year alone, about 30 million people will perish without hearing the gospel. But what if a miracle happened? What if every single Christian in the whole world shared the gospel with every single non-Christian that they knew? That would be a miracle. And what if another miracle happened? Every single one of those non-Christians with whom every single Christian in the world shared the gospel believed and gave their lives to Christ. That would be a miracle. And I hope and pray that will happen and that God will do that through you. But even if both of those miracles happened, three billion people in the world who don't personally know a single Christian would still be lost without the gospel. Romans 10.13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is a promise of God, a wonderful promise. There's no question as to how people can be saved. But then Paul asks some critical questions. How then can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Whoever believes shall not perish but have eternal life. Anyone who believes. But no one can believe something that they know nothing about. The Lord is calling all of you 
to be salt and light, to make kingdom impact in every sphere of society. And perhaps the Lord is calling some of you to lay aside your profession and to go to the unreached to be one of the 95,000 new missionaries needed to reach the unreached with the gospel. Not everyone is a missionary. I know that some very wonderful, well-meaning Christians, even pastors, have sometimes said, we're all missionaries. And a part of me smiles when I hear that. Another part of me weeps. Because if we buy into the notion that we are all missionaries and that we can all simply stay where we are and share the gospel with those non-Christians that we know, as I said, three billion people will be counted among those who shall perish. Missionaries cross cultures, languages, and geographic boundaries to share good news with those who otherwise would have no opportunity to believe in God's only Son. There is, there's intentionality, calling, church affirmation, training, accountability, prayer, support, mobilization. Uh, we are not all missionaries, but we are all called to be salt and light and to pray for the nations. Uh, we're not all pastors, But we're all to shepherd people who are under our care. We are not all deacons, but we are all to serve. We are not all elders, but we are all to provide leadership. We are not all preachers, but we are all to preach the gospel to ourselves and to others. Like Leah Sharibu preaching the gospel to her Boko Haram captors. Some are pastors, some are deacons, and some are missionaries, and many more are needed. And I trust God will raise up many more from this congregation, even from among your own children. And the Lord might be calling some others of you to take up your profession, both your Christian profession and your occupational profession, and go and live among the unreached. You see, the only way that the unreached will be reached is if Christians will go and be professional Christians in the arts, media, finances, science, sports, technology, education, medicine, you name it, to go and be salt and light in every sphere of society among every unreached people group in the world. Missionaries alone cannot do this, just like your pastors alone cannot do this locally. And this is a vision of a very special event that the Lausanne Movement is hosting in June 2019. It's called the Global Workplace Forum. It will take place in Manila, Philippines, and its explicit goal is to see how the Lord might raise up the 99, the 99% of those who are not in professional Christian ministry, to raise you up, to bring the gospel to every person on earth. We expect more than 500 participants from all over the world, and we're accepting nominations for Christians who are influencers in their workplace, influential in their skills and occupation, and influential in their gospel witness. And these might be white-collar workers, blue-collar workers, or no-collar workers. But I believe that God will use people like them, like you, to change the world that he so loves. First, locally but absolutely strategically globally. Perhaps you could serve as a a dentist in Jakarta or a financial analyst in Dubai or a soccer coach in China or an IT professional in India. God can use you if you will. And that line of salvation, 
that extended from the very early days of the church in Acts through various people and various places and various missionaries and various gospel sharings to eventually touch your precious life can be extended to others through you. Don't let that line end with you. Let it touch the ends of the earth and extend and propel through you until Jesus ushers in eternity. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy. You were the lamb who was slain. You're the one who laid down your life on our behalf, on behalf of sinners. You are the one who was raised up victorious from the grave, victorious over sin and death. You are worthy. You're worthy of each one of our lives, our affection, everything that we are. Be Lord of our lives, the whole of our lives. Use us, O God, and I pray that you would, even in this moment, bring to our hearts and minds particular people near and particular people groups even far that you would want us to practically love with our words, our deeds, our finances, our prayers with the whole of our lives. Use us, O God, and extend that line of salvation until Jesus returns through us. I ask that in Christ's name. Amen.